Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Niner Sports Talk. My name is Bryson Foster, and I am once again joined by... Mason Curtis. Mason, glad to have you back on. It's been a couple of weeks. We got an action-packed show today, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. We're going to talk a little bit of Charlotte Athletics, a little bit of national sports, as the NBA and the NHL are in the midst of their playoffs, and the MLB continues to hit it out of the ballpark with another week in the books. Without further ado, let's jump into some talk about Charlotte baseball. So the Charlotte baseball team actually has had a pretty good last week. They're up to 19-16. and 16. Last night, they suffered a loss at North Carolina, their second loss to the Tar Heels this season. But over the weekend, they swept the Rice Owls in CUSA. Play to say undefeated in CUSA Road Series. They've yet to lose one of those. But let's recap this North Carolina game um, from last night. Uh, it, you know, it's been a really good week. Like we said, they defeated Rice over the weekend out scoring the Owls 21-3. But last night, they could not keep it going. Uh, if you look here, Will Butcher doubled to left field in the first inning to score Cam Fisher and Jake Cunningham. 49ers held a 2-0 lead heading into the third, and in the third inning, the Tar Heels struck, tying the game at two off of a single and a hit-by-pitch that brought home Stokely for the Tar Heels. And then in the sixth inning, the Tar Heels regained the lead um, as Tomas Frick would go in a single to right field to make it 3-2. And then Mac Horvath would homer to left field in the seventh to make it five to two. 49ers were in a hole in the eighth when Eli Wisner homered to left field, but a double play that was turned by the Tar Heels would be all she wrote in the eighth and would pretty much squash the 49ers comeback attempt, and the Tar Heels would hold on to win five to three. Mason, what is something that sticks out to you from this game? Charlotte got out to a really strong start, but just couldn't keep it going and tried to piece it together a little too late. Yeah, I remember uh, I checked in. I think it was top of the sixth inning. It was still tied at two up. And, uh, I mean, I know Jack Dragum had uh, multiple hits in the contest. I think he was the only Niner to do so. And, I mean, Cam Fisher and Will Butcher, you know, back-to-back doubles, that really doesn't surprise me. Both of them can absolutely tattoo the ball. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a, a bad game from Charlotte. They really stuck in there with a – you know, a great all-around baseball team in, in UNC. So, I mean, I'm not happy with the loss, but I am happy with their overall performance against, you know, a top school. Yeah, you're so right. What an improvement from the first time these two teams faced each other. You know, the Tar Heels 17th in the nation. When they came to Robert Marion Hayes, it was not a contest. 16-3, to the Tar Heels won. Charlotte closes it. They're so close. And Robert Woodard knows this Tar Heel group really well because he coached there. That was his alma mater. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of – disappointing to see them lose, but it's also really good to see them really taking it to a ranked opponent. So kind of a bittersweet loss, but all in all, I think that the 49ers are turning a corner. Um, you can definitely tell they're 19 and 16. I think things are really looking up, even with the loss. Um, and tonight they turn from number 17, North Carolina to number six, East Carolina. The Pirates have been killing it this season at Truist Field, the last MILB ballpark game for the 49ers. Here's some player to, players to watch for. We're going to preview what Charlotte has, and then we're going to look at the ECU squad that has just been dominant. Like we said, 19-16 and 16 for the 49ers. They are led by Cam Fisher, who's batting 377 with 46 hits, 40 RBI, 
103 total bases and 17 home runs. We really keep tracking where he is in the NCAA. He's fourth in home runs in the nation. So impressive. 17 with a ways to go in the season. Also players to watch for, Will Butcher batting 295. He's got six homers, 28 ribbies, and 36 hits. Jack Dragon batting 291. He's got 37 hits, three homers, 20 RBI, and 27, 127 at-bats. Brandon Stallman's batting 289. You really have a lot of great players, and then that's not even to mention Cunningham, Hobson, Knight, DeFranco, players that have pieced it together at spots in the season. Mason, what sticks out to you with this 49ers group? You know, we talked a lot about the hitting, but the pitching was Wyatt Hudipal, who had a great weekend on Friday against Rice, had 13 strikeouts, earned him CUSA Pitcher of the Week. He's really played well this season, 3-4. and four. What are your thoughts on this team? What stands out to you? Uh, so first off, to start with their pitching, uh, Wyatt, I mean, geez, 8.1 scoreless innings and 13 strikeouts. I mean, that's the second most strikeouts by any Niner in the you know first place is 17 and that was you know his all his performance as well mm-hmm. so I mean they're Charlotte has looked great at the mound they look like they have improved at the mound and Cam Fisher I mean he's a phenomenal ball player his ability to take over a game at the plate it's it's fun to watch and people shouldn't forget about his defensive talent as well I mean I've seen Fisher make numerous great plays in the outfield he's uh I've seen him made di- like diving catches to get his team out of sticky situations. And, I mean, last week I saw him sacrifice himself to catch a fly ball that was, you know, it was foul, and he just ran straight into a brick wall. And, I mean, he was hurt after that, but, I mean, that just shows you the mentality that Cam Fisher has entering every game. Yeah, he puts his body out on the line, whatever he can do to help this 49ers bunch. I know we say his name a lot, but it is the truth. He deserves all his flowers. He's just been a great player. It's going to be a tall task for the 49ers tonight uh, with ECU at 28-8 and 7-2 in the American Athletic Conference. That's where Charlotte will be moving next season. Let's look at what this team brings to the table. Uh, ECU, just a great hitting team. And you see with Justin Willencoxon, who's batting 346, 37 hits, 5 homers, 22 RBIs, and 61 total bases. Then you've also got Josh Moylan, who bats 333. Has 41 hits on the season, eight homers. Jacob Jenkins Cowart, who's batting 333. They got Lane Hoover, who's batting 320. Joey Barini, who's batting 320. Luke Nowick, who's batting 306. Carter Cunningham, who's batting 302. Jacob Sterling, who's batting 301. So many players in this lineup can really hit. And man, a lot of them are over 300. What does Charlotte have to do to slow them down? I think they need to, you know, really show up at the mound. I mean, ECU is a great team. They've only lost two home games entirely this whole season. And, I mean, they're just a team that, you know, this might not be the biggest deciding factor in a game, but their fans their fans show up and their fans support them. They're always behind their sports programs there over there at ECU. And, I mean, I think we just really need to keep the bats hot and then just put – get, you know, execute and get runs off the bases and score those runs, and we need to keep a lead against them if we want to have a shot at taking down ECU. I definitely agree with you. Let's kind of look at the pitching for this Pirates squad. Josh Grosey bat, or has an ERA of 232, 4-0 record. Trey Yasavage is 6-0, and then Carter Spivey is 4-1. All of those ERAs of their main three guys are under 305. 
which is just really incredible. They keep teams in the ballpark, and they also make it really hard to get hits. I know you said Charlotte needs to capitalize on their opportunities, but it's going to be a really hard battle against this pitching staff. Mason, how does Charlotte get those hits? What do they need to do? I know it's always patience with taking your pitches and always seeing what's in the strike zone. What are they going to give you? But these guys don't give you much. No, I think, um, you know, really waiting for their pitch is what, like you said, it's what they need to do. And I think swinging at, you know, a lot of breaking balls outside, that's not going to help you. I mean, don't be swinging for the fences. Just try to put the ball in play. You know, you don't need to get up there and hit a, you know, moonshot over left center field. You just need to get runners on base, take your walks if you can get them, and then just get those runs in and take what you can get. Yeah, and just some more stats about ECU. ECU leads the uh, AAC, and it's 35th in the country in batting average with a 304 rate, and it's 12th in the nation and tops in their conference with a 3.55 ERA. Man, you know, you talk about that pitching. They are really strong there. And the Pirates also have the best or have the sixth best strikeout to walk ratio in the nation and are sixth in whip. My goodness, they are really well rounded on all sides of the ball. The Pirates lead the all-time series 33-5, so the 49ers really are going to be looking to make a dent into that tonight. Let's also look ahead to this weekend for the 49ers. They are at home, Robert and Marion Hayes Stadium, to face the UAB Blazers. Let's look at this Blazers squad. They have really struggled this season, 12-24 overall, 4-11 in conference play, and on the road they are 2-7. Not really strong stats at all. But if you look at some of their stats, Logan Braunschweig leads the team with a 354 batting average, 29 hits, 37 total bases. Um, really good player there. Tyler Wegg also bats 307 for them, and Christian Hall bats 282. And on the pitching side of things, John Luke Martin with a 233 ERA leads the team. He's yet to win a game, though. 0-2. Carson Myers. Uh, with a 3.12 ERA and Blaze Berry with a 3.72 ERA, so three game series against uh, the Blazers. You'll probably see most of those pitchers. Now, some of these stats are of April 9th, 2023. So they played some games since then, but things are changing. With this is coming from the UAB website. What stands out to you with the Blazers, Mason? I know we say it a lot that you know, kind of what stands out. But this team's really interesting. Not a great away record, though. Something that might be in the 49ers' favor. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, UAB 17-5 and in the, our last series with them. We won two out of three of those games. And uh, we outscored them, I, I already said, 17-5. to So we do have, you know, the ability to put up, you know, big runs against them. And really, you know, hopefully I think we can sweep them as a team. And my prediction is I think that, this is almost a statement series for Charlotte, especially if we take a loss against ECU. Sweeping UAB would be huge for Charlotte. It would improve their record exponentially, you know, three wins, zero losses. And if ECU shuts them down like they did Cincinnati, uh, I think Charlotte really needs to pull out a sweep against UAB to get back on track. I definitely agree with you 100%. Charlotte will really need this. And this UAB team is kind of limping into the series. So Charlotte's going to have to capitalize. I think, though... Whatever happens in the ECU game, let's say Charlotte goes in and wins, they get that momentum back and really going into the CUSA, which is the most important part of the season. You want to set yourself up good for the CUSA championship tournament. But 
Moving from Charlotte baseball to Charlotte softball, let's look at these Lady 49ers, 25-17 and 17 overall, 12-5 and 5 in conference play. That is no longer first place. It is second place because they did lose the series to North Texas this weekend. Took the first game 4-3, to three, lost 3-2, three to two, then 6-2. to two. Uh, But Charlotte softball has an opportunity to get back on track tonight against Longwood as they welcome them to the Soup M. Daltridge Stadium. Mason, before we jump into tonight's contest, let's look back at North Texas. What kind of stood out to you in that series? Um, and, And it's just really sad to see Charlotte couldn't pull that out. But you always know when these two face, they faced last year. We talked about that last week when Lily was here. You know, North Texas knocked out Charlotte last season, so there's some bad blood between these two teams. What what stands out to you? Uh, first thing that stands out, I think Charlotte needs to execute better. I mean, leaving 25 runs on base in three games, that's that's something unheard of, and it, you can't do that if you want to win games. Uh, I mean, you have to hit those runs in and keep the momentum going. I mean, winning game one, it was huge. I mean, Sam Grass had her third 10-strikeout performance on the year, so shout-out to her, but... I mean, we can't pitch her every game. So, I mean, we're going to have to put up more hits as a team and knock those runners in if we're looking to, you know, make a run at first place in the conference. I definitely agree with you. Execution is key with any sport, but especially in baseball and softball. you got to make those plays. Um, in 25 runs, you know that Charlotte's not happy with that. You know they've looked at that trend, and you know they're probably going to have to correct that. And I think that – they will. If, if you look at the stats here for Charlotte, Cassidy Krupit is batting 377, leading the way for the team. Eight homers, 34 RBI, 52 hits, 86 total bases, um, and just a really, really solid player for them. Bailey Vinoy, 307 and 114 at-bats. She has 35 runs, 35 hits, 10 doubles, 10 homers, 26 ribbies, 77 total bases, and the list goes on and on. But you look down the card a little bit. Ashley Washington batting 277. Everyone Roddy batting 250. Corey Hoffler continues to improve. She's at 248. And Ella Chauncey at 242. Um, just some really good players here. And also, if you want to learn more about this team, just had an article out in print this week for the Niner Times about Bailey Vinoy and Lexi Winters, how it's kind of a change of the guard. They're sharing time behind the plate. Mason, what are your thoughts on what Charlotte brings to the table. Krupa and Vinoy continue really to be the world beaters for these teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, they can both absolutely hit the ball. And I think Vinoy is actually on track to beat the school record in doubles. I think the record is 58, and she's at her 57th. So and look forward to her breaking that record soon. And, I mean, they bring a lot to the table when it comes to their fielding and their hitting. They can really change the course of a game, and they really, you know, put Charlotte – you know, keep them contenders in a lot of games with their performances at the plate. I definitely agree with you. And then if you look off the bench, some of the players they've gone to, you know, Madeline Wright pitches and hits. Madeline Wright's batting four fifteen in those opportunities, which which hasn't been a much, uh, but she's played really well this year. And Kaya Garrett has really turned it around as well, Three oh four. Kaya Garrett had a grand slam a couple weeks ago. So you've got players, too, that, you know, off the bench that can step up. But when you get players like Hoffler and Chansey, who are such huge parts of that team, going, which they have been, you know, improving each week, that's huge for this team. And, you know, we talked with Joey two weeks ago. The ceiling is so high for this squad. Um, And I think it starts with Longwood tonight. Let's look at Longwood here. Let's see what they bring to the table. Um, 
Longwood has had a pretty decent season. Uh, you know, if you look at their schedule, they're 21 and 15, 8 and 3 in conference play. Um, and, you know, a big win over number four, Florida State, to start the season. So this team knows what has to be done to win these big games. Let's look at their stats here. Jaden Pond bats 408, leading the team with 49 hits. One home run, though, but 12 RBI, 71 total bases. Then you got Lindsey Hay, who's batting 318. Lauren Fox, who's batting 300. Lauren Taylor, who's batting 292. And then it kind of drops off there. But very good hitting-wise. And then on the pitching side of things, uh, Reggie Conagua uh, has a 3.22 ERA, 6-2. Maggie Chapman is 5-6. And, and Aaron Burton is 9-7. So, team kind of well-rounded. 21-15, though, you know this is one of those midweek contests. We've seen it. UNCG. Uh, a couple weeks ago. These are really key midweek contests. What does Charlotte have to do to slow down this Longwood attack? And what do you think that they bring to the table? I think, like you said, I mean, Longwood, uh, you have Jaden Pond, who she just won her third Big South uh, Player of the Week award, hitting uh, nine hits in four and two. Uh, they had a record of four and two last week. She had nine hits, hit 409. I mean, she's absolute beast. And I think sh- what Charlotte needs to do is, like you said, they need to execute. You need to get those runners off the bases and knock them in and score some runs. And, I mean, I also think they need to have a good game at the mound. If, uh, you know, we're giving up a lot of runs, it's it's going to be a close game, and it I don't think it should be. I think, you know, Charlotte's out for blood after, you know, this past weekend against North Texas. So, that being said, I think Charlotte's looking to make a statement here. Oh, I definitely agree with you. Really well said. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's just going to be a clash. I will be in attendance for that game. I think that'll be a really fun contest to watch. Uh, it's going to be really, really high-paced. Uh, but moving on, let's look at some of the miscellaneous sports. Uh, with Charlotte Track and Field, that's the first that comes to mind here. Charlotte Track and Field had another great week. Uh, competing at the High Point Meet of Champions Really good week for the 49ers as they set more uh, school records, uh, and it was just really fun to see. Maya Singletary in the women's 400-meter. Singletary finished in first place, time of 51.67. That time by Singletary is a school record in the event. She broke her own school record that she set at the Florida Relays a couple weeks back. Let's talk about Maya Singletary because she has been named CUSA Outdoor Track and Field Female Track Athlete of the week, she keeps racking it up and leading the way for this squad. In the women's 100 meters, Charlotte had three spinners, three sprinters, finished in the top five to Ollie Fairman, finished in first place. Joasia Smith finished in second. And then rounding out the top five was Anaya Matthews, who finished in fifth place. Really, really solid day for all these ladies. And you know, when the women's four times 100 meter relay, Charlotte finished in first place with a time of 44. 25. In the women's 200-meter event, Charlotte swept first, second, and third places with Talia Fairman finishing first, Maya Singletary coming in second, then Anaya Matthews finishing third, um, which is just really, really good to see. Then on the men's side of things, DeAndre Hayes finished in first place in the men's 100-meter hurdles in a time of 14-16, which is also a meet record. Sydney Littlejohn finished in the top five in the event as well, finishing in third. And Jaden Venter secured a first-place finish in the 400 meters with a time of 47.02. And the time by Ventor is the seventh-fastest men's 400-meter time in school history and also set a meet record. And then Jordan Reese finished in third place in the 400 meters, finishing with a personal best time of 
Uh, and in the men's 100 meters, Jalen Milton Hall finished in second place, and he was followed by Nelson Lamek, who finished in fifth. And in the four times 400 meter relay, the team of Zach Bill, Kobe Brown, Warner Campbell, and Andrew Milo finished in third place. Now, 318.06. Now, I know that's a lot, but really good to see track and field uh, doing really well. The 49ers are back in action this week with two meets. Squad will go to Wake Forest Invitational on the 21st. And then it doesn't stop. The grind does not stop for them as they go to the USC Outdoor Open on April 22nd. Mason, really cool to see track and field do so well. You know, they've got that number 30 ranking in the nation. This program continues to defy the odds. It continues to break their records every week, which is awesome. To see. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's really great to see. I uh, I try to keep up with it. I'm not the biggest track guy, but I mean I have seen Riley Feltz taking home first place in the pole vault. I mean. I saw her get first place. I think it was 4.4 meters. I mean, that's like, what, 14 and a half feet? I mean, that's insane on this level. And, and I think she might have a really good shot of going pro after this if, you know, she keeps it up and keeps putting in the hard work. I mean, she's been a standout for me. And, I mean, Justin Leaston, I hope he continues to perform well this season. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have on that. Well, it's funny you mentioned Justin Leaston. Mason, you had a print article out this week. You got to sit down and talk with Justin Really great young man, really talented. I mean, to talk about, you know, I want to further my legacy and I want to leave a great legacy here, that's some impressive stuff from such a young man who's got such a bright future, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, he had aspirations of, you know, going pro after this, and I think he easily can. He puts in so much work to, you know, he has so many goals as well. Like this season, he told me that, you know, every meet, if he could just improve his time, shave off, you know, maybe a like two five hundredths or something of a second, like just a little bit of time, improve every meet and just slowly get better and better. I mean, his drive and his work ethic, I think is going to take him really far. And I, I just love to see him perform week in and week out. I mean, he's, he's a great athlete all around and an even better person. That's really well said, really well said. Let's move on to women's golf. The CUSA tournament this uh, weekend, last weekend, uh, went down. Charlotte finished the sixth. So, play was suspended on that Thursday, April 13th. Then on Friday, they were tied for fifth at the end of the day and finished sixth. But let's talk about Jet Shoals. Jet was amazing in this tournament. Uh, on the first day, she found herself tied for ninth overall and led the team with a two over 74. She ended up finishing 11th. But still, this is a freshman doing this in the CUSA tournament. Brought home the best individual finish for the team, including 11th overall. Really good to see. Um... You know, you've got players like Kyra Moodley, who's right behind Shoals, who's flirting with her own top 10 tying for 13th after a 3 over 75. Miles Samuelson and Caitlin Evans-Brand end a team scoring on the day with a pair of 80s, which is 8 over. And then Polina Marina ended with 83, which is 11 over, converting two front nine birdies before also ending with one on the 18th. So that will most likely mark the end of the season for women's golf. Really good season. And, again, you know, we talked about this last year. Um, they have such great talent. I would say the same this year, if not even better. Jet Scholes, who's a freshman, doing her thing. It's awesome, awesome to see. And then, you know, Kyra Moodley, and you also have um, Maya Samuelson, players that had really, really good finishes. Uh, on the men's side of things, 
Um, they ended up facing Georgia Tech on Saturday, um, which was the 15th. It was a head-to-head. You don't see that a lot, but you'll see that in the CUSA tournament. Um, and they tied with him, 3-3. Three and three. They have a little bit of time off. They've got five days. Next Monday is the CUSA tournament. Some players to watch for. Doggin Park has played great this season. Tanner Guthrie has won CUSA awards. So those are two that you need to watch as well. And then if you move into tennis, tennis is going strong. On the men's side of things, um, they lost to Campbell on the 15th, 4-3. Close, really close game. And then tomorrow, actually, or on Friday, excuse me, they play number 59, FAU, who's the three seed in the CUSA tournament. Last year, the men's team finished second. So they've got a lot to prove. Definitely some players to watch. Coy Simone, um, Ivan Dracop, some really good players there as well. And then if you move to women's tennis um, as well, they're 21-5. and five. They have been killing it, and they are coming off a win on Monday over number 65, Louisiana Tech. They swept them 4-0. On the Friday, April 14th, they swept number 75, Tulsa. And on Friday, they'll face Middle Tennessee or UAB. Let's talk about the duo of Kavya Swahini and Ruxi Skek, who broke the program record for wins. They did that against Tulsa, which was awesome to see. Really, really good for them. We talked about that last week, um, and it's just really good to see. They make history in a 4-0 win. Awesome, awesome to see. And, and this team is just really putting it all together at the right time. USA Tournament. For both of these teams, going to be fun to watch. All right, Mason, let's get into the national sports scene. I'll let you choose. What do you want to do first? Do NBA, NHL, or the MLB? Uh, Let's hit on the NBA first. Awesome. uh, The NBA right in the middle of the NBA playoffs. Set the stage for us. What's going on and what's been happening? I'll give you a quick rundown on the series. So, I mean, first off, you have the Lakers and Grizzlies. Uh, Lakers took game one. Uh, after, you know, halftime, they took the lead, and there was no looking back. Uh, Austin Reeves, 14 points in the fourth quarter to seal the victory for the Lakers. Made a comment that he's saving LeBron in AD's career. I don't know about that, but, you know, Roy Hashimura also had a great game with 29 points. And, uh, you know, game two's tonight. I look for the Lakers to, you know, seal that series out in five. And I know there's probably a lot of Grizzlies fans, but I'm just trying to be realistic. And uh, Suns and Clippers, I mean, the Clippers took game one in Phoenix, which really surprised me. But last night uh, they played game two, and it it didn't really stay close after the third quarter. The Suns kind of pulled away and won by about, I think, 19, 20 points maybe. And then, I mean, the Hawks and Celtics, there's not much to say. The Celtics have absolutely rolled through the Atlanta Hawks in games one and two. And, I mean, Atlanta doesn't look like a contender. I think that'll be, you know, a 4-0 sweep from Boston. And Kings and Warriors, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest Warriors fan. I respect Curry and Thompson's talents. But I won't respect Draymond Green, especially after his flagrant two and ejection from game two of the series. And, I mean, I think – he can just be a sore loser at times. And, you know, the Kings are now up 2-0 against the Warriors, who we all know have been a dominant force in the past 10 years. So heading on now to the uh, Knicks and Cavs, I think that that series could go seven games. It's been back and forth. The Knicks took game one away in Cleveland, and then Cleveland answered back last night and just absolutely put it on New York. And then heading to the Nets and Sixers, I mean, the Nets are a very good team, but they're very young with little playoff experience. And, uh, 
You know, I look for the Nets to win maybe one or two games, but the veteran talent of the Sixers with Embiid and Harden, Tobias Harris, I mean, they look like they can easily outmatch the Nets' young core. And, I mean, going to the Nuggets and Timberwolves, I mean, the Nuggets look great. I I don't see the Timberwolves winning a game. I think they're going to get shut out. In the Heat and Bucks, the most surprising thing, Giannis Antetokounmpo goes down in game one early on with a back injury that sidelines him for the rest of the game, and the Heat take game one away. Analysts are saying he'll be ready for game two tonight, but, you know, Giannis has had back injuries in the past, so if he's not playing at 100%, you know, the Heat could spoil the Bucks' playoff chances and win maybe in, I don't know, six games, 6-2 to two, or 4-2. So, yeah, that's, that's the rundown for the NBA playoffs. Do you have any takes uh yeah i definitely think it's definitely interesting i think the celtics look really good the bucks look really good you know my kind of thought is that they will go far the milwaukee bucks and both of those teams look like they're gonna have that eastern conference finals matchup still a lot could go down i think the suns have a lot to prove and i think that they're really looking to get everything um together so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I know you said the Lakers are going to win in five games. I think that's interesting. But do you think that's going to end Jaws parade inside my city? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I don't want to pull a Skip Bayless here. But uh, I do think that that's really a funny banter thing that's been going on for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hope they spoil it. I'm not. Uh, I'm really not the biggest John Morant fan. But, you know, they are a good team. They are young. But, I mean – I don't know if they have what it takes to beat the veteran talent on the Lakers. And, I mean, Austin Reeves, his season, it's hard to stop him. I mean, he has so much in his bag. And it, I've seen a lot of teams struggle to guard him. And it's it's he's a very fun player to watch besides, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis. He's, he's a fun, you know, third player to watch on that squad. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's going to be fun to see. If you move to the NHL side of things, um, some really good series are going on. The Avalanche and the Kraken. The one and the eight, the Kraken, just a new franchise, um, are are in there. And it's a 1-0 lead for Seattle. The Stars and the Wild. And Minnesota leads that series 1-0. Then you got the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Gold Knights. And Winnipeg leads 1-0. The Edmonton Oilers and the L.A. Kings, the Kings lead 1-0 there. The Bruins and the Florida Panthers, Boston leads 1-0. The Toronto Maple Leafs and the um, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning lead 1-0. Then you got our Carolina Hurricanes, which are up on the Islanders 1-0. They play again tonight. And then the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers, and the Rangers lead that series 1-0 after 5-1 win last night. Mason, let's talk about the Hurricanes. You've kind of got an opinion on that, and it's going to be really interesting to see how things go uh, without one of their stars. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, without uh, Andrei Sveshnikov for the Hurricanes, they're not looking as good. I mean, after his injury previously this season, the team, well, after his injury, the team had a record of 9-9-1, which is, you know, it's not looking great entering the playoffs as a one seed. And, I mean, the Canes took game one of the series against the Islanders with a score of 2-1 with goals from Sebastian Ajo and Stefan Nason. But I don't know if they can keep that momentum up into the rest of the series, especially they've had trouble at, you know, at, in the goal this season. They don't know who to start as a as a goalie or a goaltender. They don't know who is the right choice. And it's coming. it really comes down to, you know, who has the better stats when it really should just be 
we're comfortable with this guy being in goal or in the net. So I don't know. I think they have a lot of problems to work out. And if they want to make, you know, a run at the Stanley Cup uh, championship, they're going to have to figure some things out. And I mean, they're really going to have to up their level of play without uh, Shveshnikov. And without him, the team's not looking nearly as good offensively. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. You've got a lot of good teams in this playoffs. I think it's one of the most highly contested. Uh, and the Hurricanes have a lot, you know, that a lot to go, I think, left. But it's going to be interesting to see if them and the Bruins, you know, get each other again. The Bruins have been on a historic pace. Most points, one of the greatest records ever. And this Bruins team, they're not they're no joke. Uh, last time they played, the Bruins really took care of business. And without, um, you know, Andre on the team, the Carolina Hurricanes' power play has struggled a lot. It's one of the worst. Um, and that's one of those things, when you have that advantage, you have to convert. You know, that's in any sport. But when you have that advantage in hockey, you have to. Hurricanes are not doing good on that. So that's something they have to improve on. And if they can get up uh, tonight and win and beat the Islanders, think that'll be a good sign for things to come, but they have to take care of this series, um, pounce on their chances because they need to rest up as much as they can, and then if they get the Rangers again, if the Rangers beat the Devils, that's a rematch from last year, so they've got a lot of high-octane series that could come up, but you can't look ahead too far. you got to take care of business because this Islanders team, they know how to score the puck, and the thing about it is the minute – that you look ahead, you start to struggle. you got to stay in the present. So that's the biggest thing. Moving from the NHL to the MLB, last time you were here we talked about opening day. Tell us some things that have happened. Just quickly, give us um, some of your biggest trends and some biggest points that you've seen from the young season. First off, I have to start with the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, where did they come from? 13-0 to start the season, which has never been done before in Rays history. Small and, market for the win. <laughs> and now they're 15-3. and three. And, however, one of their best pitchers, Jeffrey Springs, is likely to undergo Tommy John's surgery soon. But more importantly, the Rays are currently leading the MLB in win percentage at .833. So I think that's a big topic at the moment. And, I mean, all five teams in the AL East are at least 500. And that is at the bottom of that division is the Red Sox at nine and nine right now. And I think a lot of people have been surprised with Texas being atop of the AL West at 11 and six. But I mean, the team has some serious talent on the mound and at the plate. And I mean, with the addition of Jacob deGrom this season, Texas's bullpen is looking mean. And I mean, the Astros, number one team heading into the season, they're eight and 10 right now, but it's very early. So it's not time to count them out yet, obviously, as they have one of the best rosters on paper. And then you have the Braves on the top of the National League at 14-4. and four. And despite the injuries to their team, they've been playing great. They have seven pitchers out, and then they have three other infielders, Travis Diarno, uh, or Diarno Michael Harris, and Orlando Arcia are all out right now. The Braves have still find ways to win and stay at top of the National League. And going to Juan Soto, a lot of people doubted him this year after last season's performance, hitting at an all-time all low for him, but... This year he's been on fire. He's a player to watch out for going ahead. And Louis uh, Arreyes has been straight tattooing the ball. He's hitting the best in the league at 458 so far this season. Miami has a young team, but they've showed the MLB that they're ready to compete. And uh, like you said last week with your prediction of Garrett Cole, sorry, not last week, uh, last show I was on, you predicted Garrett Cole to win. Um, the 
Cy Young Award. And, uh, bold pick I mean, by he's me. Been, bold pick. But. Bold pick, but he's been playing out of his mind so far this year. He uh, leads the league in wins, and he's fifth in ERA with uh, point zero, or 0. 0.95. And, I mean, I think you were right about his revenge season. It's definitely uh, on full throttle right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. The MLB is so fun to watch. It's the sounds of spring, uh, which is really cool. you got all these playoffs going on. The MLB is just starting. It's an exciting time for sports in Charlotte Athletics. Man, it's always fun and exciting to see what's going on with these student-athletes who continue to defy the odds. Well, I think that's all the time we've got. Mason, thank you so much for coming by. It's always great to get your opinion on so many sports trends going on. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun once again. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time on the Niners Sports Talk.